Welcome to Archie Digest, a Riverdale podcast. This is a podcast that's about a story that's about a town, but this week it's not a town, it's a city, and it's Suplex City, because we're talking about Chapter 24, The Wrestler. Uh, I'm Chris Hayner. I'm Craig Byrne. I'm Russ Burlingame. Guys, I had to and get what you right out the gate. I'm sorry. Exactly. Exactly. That's all right. As, as you noted, this is happening the week that... Uh, WWF or WWE Raw turns 25. No, I give you mass props for going WWF. That, that the only time that I ever like paid any real attention to it was back when it was still WWF. So in my brain, it's etched there forever. Well, I but, like to imagine that in the world of Riverdale, it is still WWF. But then we're all going to feel old when realizing that it was probably already WWE before most of the Riverdale cast was born. This is true. But that was early aughts. Oh, okay. I, I again, I have the worst memory for that stuff. But yeah, that's uh, uh, as, as you noted, it's kind of a well-timed episode. I sincerely doubt that that was intentional on the part of the uh, <laughs> the scheduling gods. It was definitely not intentional. Yeah. Uh, Mark Pedowitz called Vince McMahon. He said, "I have an idea." Now, <laughs> if SmackDown was still on the CW. Then we might have had like special guest star, such and such WWE wrestler. Although they did have Goldberg on The Flash. Yeah, that's true. I was just about to say. <laughs> so I haven't watched. <laughs> so before everybody tunes out because we're not talking about Riverdale, <laughs> what did you guys think of this week's episode? I felt like it was a lot like a season one episode in the sense that there was some really good stuff there, but there was just so much shit going on that at any given time it felt like you couldn't spend more than about 90 seconds on one plot beat before having to switch gears. Fair. Well, we've got Agent Fake Name wanting Archie to get close to Hiram, and so he decides to wrestle. Mm-hmm. So, and in true, in true Archie fashion, as soon as, like, this is a thing I've seen happen like four or five times on the show, I swear to God where somebody sets out to do something. They have successfully done that thing. They immediately change their strategy. Like by the end of this episode, it legit doesn't look like Archie is working with the FBI anymore. It looks like he's just completely forgotten that that was a thing. Hiram's BFF. Archie's a puppy. In Archie's defense, he never was working for the FBI. That guy is not in the FBI. That's very true. I I have so many thoughts about this. First of all, not nearly enough uh, steel tear shots to the head. Um, I was really expecting uh, Kevin to just lay the smack down on Archie's, and I'm going to say it, candy ass. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's I- such – I don't understand – before we get into even like the FBI and all the otherworldly things that make it like, of course, this only happened in Riverdale. Yeah, I don't understand how high school works on this show because That's we all went to high school and those high schools had sports. 
And it did not take this long to do anything. No. Also, we didn't have people's parents wrestling with the students. That's also we didn't have the coach being like, "All right, wrestle someone who's twenty pounds heavier than you." Why? I don't know. Because the rich guy said so. And one more thing I'll add on to this is that someone kind of alarmed by the fact that during like this is tryouts for a high school wrestling team, and not only did it take like four days. But by the time you got to the last day of it, there was like a legit audience. Like when uh, when Hiram and Veronica sat down, I kept wanting to call Veronica Cammy. Um, when <laughs> Hiram and when Hiram and Veronica sat down, they were sitting down in the midst of like a dozen people who were there to watch high school kids try out for a small town wrestling team. It was just it, it was, was odd. <laughs> It was as if they were holding the tryouts at the state championships. And that's insane because they would just be doing this. They wouldn't even be doing this in a place with bleachers. They'd be doing this in like the practice room. One would think. But this is the same town where somebody underage can browse a porn site while it pops. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. Have you seen kids (laughs) these days? They're all about looking at weird shit on the internet. Can I can I just add though that I don't know I see that tag on the laptop and I think that looks to me like school property, and so giving uh, it to the camboy is maybe a state crime. Listen, man, Betty's crazy. She's she's full on dark, bro. She don't apparently they decided that is a thing again. Yeah, I just I I have no idea what chick could possibly be showing her on the laptop that could help her deal with her darkness because she doesn't want to look at her brother on the webcam, I hope. No. Listen, man, I don't I don't dis I don't disregard any possibility that comes to Betty anymore. She has gone in the span of two episodes think back to earlier this season when she did like the weird dance thing for the uh the serpents and we were like, wow, what what's gotten into Betty? That seems like years ago. Like, she's gone so far off the deep end. I will also say that, that while they did establish this episode that he's a camboy or EJ Gallo or whatever the five things were that Kevin called him, last episode we established the idea that he was helping people fulfill fantasies or something. So there's, it's, there's a distinct possibility that some of what he does is not as objectionable as others that he does. Because, I mean, think about the fact that Betty said you know, he's multiple people on multiple websites. It's distinctly possible that there's a version of what he does which is less sexualized and more about whatever. I don't know. But when you're asking what could she possibly be seeing, I feel like they're probably establishing something that isn't purely sexual, that he can show her that isn't totally batshit crazy. But I also got the impression that Whoever the dude was at the hotel was like his pimp. Oh, hundred percent. So there's at least some element on at least some of what he does of just exactly that. If for no other reason than because that's how Kevin described it, and Kevin recognized him because apparently this is a site that Kevin goes to a lot. I I swear to God, Kevin is like Doctor Exposition on this show. 
and about like the weirdest shit. They're like, oh, we don't know how to explain this weird thing. I don't know. Make Kevin do it on the weekends. Go. Am I the only one Whoa. who thought when, when Archie and Hiram were jogging in the woods that, <laughs> that they run into Kevin? <laughs> just bump into somebody trolling for, for Hiram? No, I, I think it'd be funnier if they're just like running in the woods and they just go, hi, Kevin, and they keep running. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a very good moment. Or an outtake. Uh, I would have loved that. Oh, man. That was just the first thing that occurred to me as they were working their way through the woods at dusk. <laughs> I didn't no, think I that... <laughs> the only thing I was thinking about that wasn't necessarily what was going on on the screen is when Archie was wrestling, I was wondering what they did about all his tattoos, how much makeup that would have taken to get rid of KJ's tattoos. Because I think I'm about those technical things, apparently. No, it totally makes sense. I mean, I always have that thought with Melissa uh, over on Supergirl. Because she has a tattoo in, like, a fairly visible spot on, like, I think it's her ankle or her foot. And all I could think is, that means that Supergirl can basically just never not have socks on. Because there's no plausible way to explain away the tattoo. Well, I mean, uh, both Lily and Machen have the same tattoo in the same spot. It's true. On their forearm. So, I, I, I... don't think covering up tattoos is difficult. I say no. this to someone with a bunch of weird, dumb tattoos. I don't think covering up tattoos is difficult. Although I'm always bummed when they do. I know it wouldn't fit with the story, but like, oh, what a nice mother-daughter moment if uh, if Crazy Betty and her crazy mom got crazy one day and got matching tattoos. Yeah, but maybe at some point they'll reach a yeah. place in the story where they can just have that as a one-off and then not have to worry about it anymore. But as you say, it might not be worth writing into it because it's probably not that difficult to cover up. But KJ's tattoo is pretty huge, isn't it? I mean, it, but it's 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 on his shoulder, but it's all very it's it's not small, but it's all very fine line work. So I don't oh, think okay. it would take a lot. It's not like a big bold. Oh, okay. he doesn't have like a Batman cape or something. That would be amazing. He have, let's say a Mickey Mouse on his wrist. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking at the tattoo now. It looks honestly. It looks like a Star Trek. It's actually a little bit bolder than I remembered it being. It looks like the Star Trek communicator on his shoulder. Okay, then. What he's going for? It's off center. It looks strange. I'm sorry, KJ. I. It's, <laughs> I, I think. I think it has something to do with family. Well, speaking of family. Uh... We had Cheryl's family behind ruining things for... Why do I always forget her name? You know who I'm talking about's family. Jughead's friend. What? God, oh, why Tony am I... Topaz. Tony Topaz. Why do I keep forgetting her name? Oh, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, Tony Topaz's family was screwed by Cheryl's family. Another I'll tell family. you what. I certainly did not expect... Like, of all the things I expected from this episode... Uh, crimes against Native Americans was not the direction I was waiting, like thinking they would go to. Yeah. Also, cameo by Graham Greene. I, I'm not going to complain about, but that was out of nowhere. I mean, I would assume it has to do something in the future, I guess. But it does make oh, the serpents more sympathetic, which is good. I mean, but did anybody really hate the younger serpents? 
We haven't mm-hmm. seen the older serpents in a while. And the younger ones seem fine, I think. Except for that one time they all went to somebody's house and started beating people up. That wasn't very cool. I, I, I still, I, I kind of stand with Chris on this, though, in the sense that, like, I don't know... I don't know that they needed humanization. I feel like maybe it's just giving a sense of direction to Jughead and or a reason why everything else that happens happens. Because obviously when when we were on set, they told us, like, the Civil War is coming. And this seems to be just the precipitating event. And see, that I think that I think that's all well and good. But for me, this is a story that I think told at the right time and the right place in the season works out really well in an episode that was already kind of bloated with stuff that was going on. It just, it felt like filler for the set just to have filler and it shouldn't, it should not be that story because honestly, no, like the story of people coming to the, to the United States and taking <laughs> land away from other people is a big story, and it's one like good. Good on you for telling Riverdale, but it's kind of interesting to me that that's... there's like an element of this where Tony essentially yells at Jughead for cultural appropriation because he is yeah. telling a story that isn't his to tell. When I- I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the Riverdale writers' room is basically as white as the serpents. Well, what I what I want to know though is why is Jughead writing this article for the Blue and Gold? This is again not a school newspaper story. Well, but like I I I I get that in that it's his only true. It's also the only outlet in a way that will sort of reach the masses. True. Uh, the cultural appropriation side of it, though, I'm, su- I'm a I'm super glad they touched on it. And B, I'm glad they actually made Jughead go and apologize to the guy. Yeah, absolutely. For like, I'm sorry for trying to use your family for my awesome story. Yeah, and I do like the fact that Graham Greene's character is basically like, I appreciate your apology, but now that you've opened this can of worms. (laughs) It's time to take it to the next step, baby. Take your mouth uh, shut and grab a sign. Uh... Well, by the way, just touching on that, the protest and everything at the end, does anybody think there's any scenario where the statue wasn't beheaded by Cheryl Blossom? Oh, see, I thought the serpents did it. I No, I think it's Cheryl. I mean, she leaves her mom's side, crosses the line of serpents, and then disappears off to the right of the statue, and you'll never see her again. I didn't think about that. I think yeah, Cheryl's a very good. I don't. I whoever it was, I don't think it was the serpents. Obviously, no. in their what two and a half days at Riverdale mm-hmm. High, they've made any number of enemies, mostly because of Jughead. I'll be honest. Uh, the other serpents seem to try really hard to fit in, so they wouldn't. Yeah. Any, everyone's enemy. Yeah, but like in I no mean, time at all, they've made so many enemies in that school that I think it could be a bunch of different people. Also, how awkward is it that Cheryl's mom is totally embracing being a whore? It is. It's such weird. a weird direction. Uh, I know. It, it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because I just don't know what to make of it at this point. 
I mean, part of it is that we didn't really get to know Penelope very well last season. And so I guess it's not technically out of character because we didn't really know enough about her character to be able to say what's in or out. Right. But it definitely, like, it's a strange move for her. It also seems like she's doing it to annoy Cheryl, in a way. Yeah, we talked about this last time, too, this idea that the weird power play between Cheryl and her mom this season seems to, like, just have this very... Both of them are just doing incredibly bizarre things for no reason other than they think it will annoy or hurt the other one. And And it just... Oh, they're totally right. But it is, it's just so fucking odd. And then hooking up with, uh, Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, 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 it's fine. Go. go. Oh, hooking up with Hal Cooper. Probably. Yeah. Who is, let's just point out the, uh, no, I guess Penelope's not a blossom by blood. Okay. So never mind. (laughs) Going a generation back, that's closer to incest than, you know, the uh, the thing they were criticizing. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, Hal's pissed off because Alice and FP's kid is back. Yeah. Because he is, he is FP's kid, right? I, mean, I don't we know talk- who his kid is. I think he might be the son of, like, like Alice and, like, an alien. <laughs> Cosmo, the Merry Martian. There you go. Yes. That would explain the sunken cheeks. Is He's he part alien. Not, honestly, he looks like a dude who hasn't had a lot to eat, which yeah. may be a choice given how he was sort of living not the best life before he came to the Cooper homestead. Yeah. I mean, certainly it's one of those things they could, they they could at least easily depict it as a choice because it could, it could easily turn out to be one of those things where it's like, yeah, the more stuff that we got, the more we had to provide to the pimp, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Hal is not having it, which makes, it just seems like, that's a big point of contention with him and Alice. Now, Alice is like, I've kicked you out before. I'll do it again because she's fierce. I know. I was thinking that, that like that every uh-huh. season and the first half of the season with those two basically breaking up. Yeah. And, and it's just kind of like, okay, guys, you can, you know, have a drink, take a nap, maybe not scream at everybody in your house for like a full day. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to live with the Coopers. It seems miserable. Yeah, no. And I mean, I feel like there's an element of part of the reason. Ha- I mean, obviously, we've all kind of collectively agreed that we don't think Hal is the father of this kid. But I think that beyond that element, I think that part of the reason that Hal seems so uncomfortable is rooted in the fact that he can't like control or dominate this kid in the way that the, the, the Coopers do with Betty and uh, Polly because he doesn't know almost tying into the theme of, uh, of Hiram's whole speech to Archie. Like you don't know your opponent well enough to dominate him. Hmm. Oh, Hiram. Yeah. Oh, by the way, speaking of that, I get like what they're trying to do with this episode. And they're trying to establish like a more kind of adversarial relationship between Archie and Hiram. 
but the mm-hmm. whole goofy speech that Hiram delivers in Veronica's room about how like I saw you get beat at wrestling, and now I th- now I don't I don't view you as masculine in any way, and I think that you're, <laughs> I'm just like okay, how does challenging his manhood work when he's like okay, yeah, he sucks at wrestling. He's also the star of the football team, even though he never goes he's to also, practice. He's also banging your daughter, Hiram. Yeah. Like, this was also like one area where I kind of got a little nostalgic for the comics and that like, you know, yeah, Hiram hates Archie, but he hates Archie because he's clumsy and messes things up and that sort of thing. I don't know. This is so much more sinister. I could use fair, some though, levity. This Archie is clumsy and messes things up a lot, but not around Hiram. <laughs> like, never yeah. around Hiram. Like, Archie knocked down Hiram's house. <laughs> but I, I did appreciate that they actually gave Hiram an excuse. This, like, I, I appreciate that they gave him an excuse for hating Archie, but also that excuse just makes him seem like such a petty piece of shit. Because yeah, Archie pretty- had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I think, unfortunately, that's the, the risk that you take when they do what they did in the first chunk of the season, where he was trying to see if he could use Archie in some way, and he was glad handling him and being friendly and all that kind of stuff. And now that they need him to have a more like traditionally confrontational relationship, they have to essentially pull hard on the steering wheel and hope that nobody notices that Hiram is taking like this weird turn. Yeah. It's because your dad did something like six but, you months know, ago. I feel like every character on this show is judged by what their parents did. When you think about it. I mean, like, that's something you know, that Cole said to us during that. Set yeah. visit. I, I think in many ways, the, the kids in the town are all reflections of their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and are kind of these, these, ghost-like images of, of their parents. And yeah, and even when we, we start to learn the parents' story in season one, we see that someone like FP was forced or made some mistakes that Jughead is either stumbling into blindly or um, trying to acknowledge. And I think, you know, I think for Jughead, Jughead has a tremendous yearning for the approval of his father, who was probably not there too much when he was a kid. Um, He's a kid whose mom is not around. Uh, He's a kid that takes his childhood friendships super, super seriously, and it's all about the kind of purity and moral rightness of whatever person is making the, the bad decisions that they're making. And I think he sees the potential for greatness in his father and he sees the potential for greatness in himself. And he's slowly but surely realizing that there are a lot of different shades to, to good and bad and that his father is definitely sitting right around the middle of that and what that might mean for Jughead. You know, in, in that way we have Luke Perry's character who's very morally righteous, um, and Archie is is a specter of that moral righteousness as well, sort of a lawful good. Mm-hmm. And then we we have Jughead sitting on that spectrum and trying to figure out what what part of that spectrum he sits on and if he leans either way. And it's definitely a, a shade of his father. And if his father can end up influencing him towards either direction, that's yet to be said. Yeah, like you know. Jughead is defined by FP. Josie is defined by her mother. Was this the first time they said Sierra as her first name on the show? 
I believe so. Yeah, I'm not positive. You know, Kevin. People are like, oh, he's the sheriff's kid. Yeah. You know, Cheryl's got the crazy parents. <laughs> Reggie has no parents. I guess he was raised by wolves. I mean, if he had parents, maybe they noticed that he replaced himself after season one. Listen, man, puberty is messed up for a lot of people, and your body goes through changes. And it gives you a New York accent. Go figure. Yeah, it's true. So some big news dropped earlier today. Um, The Riverdale High Drama Department is doing as their spring production, Carrie the Musical, which uh, Warner Brothers and the CW are describing as a dark yet catchy cautionary tale exploring the gritty realities of small-town high school life. There will be 11 songs, and it will air on April 18th. So there we go. We're going to get a Riverdale musical before we get Afterlife with Archie, which kind of makes me a little sad. But Can I, can, can I ask a legitimate question? Okay. Sure. Why? So Kevin Keller can helm as director. I'm, like, looking at it now. Like, we're, di- we're just going to have an episode where we watch the, the fucking school play? Yeah, it's, it's High School Musical, but Riverdale. Okay, so here's some more details. Cheryl is playing Carrie. Okay. Betty and Archie are Sue Snell and Tommy Ross. Josie McCoy is playing Ms. Gardner. And Riverdale, Riverdale High alum Alice Cooper is playing Carrie's mother, Margaret. <laughs> now that, that's going to be kind of great. So let's see. The production stars Cheryl Blossom, Betty Cooper, Veronica Lodge, Archie Andrews, Reggie Mantle, Josie McCoy, Alice Cooper, Tony Topaz, Ethel Mudge, Ethel Muggs, Midge Klump, and Moose Mason. Kevin Keller directs with assistant director Fangs Fogarty, which booyah proves the two of them are going to get together. Just watch. And special thanks to Fred Andrews of Andrews Construction for Sets and Lumber. Okay, but, I, but my question, uh, why? So we have a night because to remember. It, do we not have enough t- story to get through on this show? It'll be fine. Look, they, they've done a lot of music on the show already. It's all been great. I love the music on this show. I hate the trend of every show needs a musical episode. It's so fucking dumb. One show did it one time, and it was really great, and now everyone thinks they need to do it too. And I'm sorry, The Flash and Supergirl, your musical episode wasn't good. It wasn't. The only good thing to come out of that Flash-Supergirl musical is that I legitimately like the way they repurposed the song in the wedding. Yes. I also like the idea of Super Friends song. I appreciate that they're at least basing it in the idea of a school play. But I could just imagine like it, them starting to sing at the front. Jughead's like, fuck this. And he just walks away from the episode. It doesn't look like Jughead's in the cast of the musical. Yeah, so, yeah, so he'll, he'll review it for the paper, give it a bad review, and that'll be the joke. <laughs> well, because I yeah, believe... I, mean, I, I, I spoke to him about... Or someone spoke to him last year and asked him if he'd ever sing on the show. And he's like, no, I got that shit out of my system on Disney. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, what? I don't know how I feel about this. I, I don't know, man. I For me, I'm just like, okay, whatever. I, I'm going to roll with it. I Because of the format of Riverdale and because it's so musical anyway, I'm kind of like, yeah, it'll be fine. I, well, I tend to fall on the same side of the fence with you that, that I'm super wary of these things. But it what can be done. What date on again? Uh, uh, April something. April, April 18th. So which is also true. the 80th anniversary of the release of Action Comics issue number one, which matters only to me and Russ, but there you go. There you go. 
I mean, I I care about comic books too, Craig. But thank you. <laughs> so that is that is three weeks bef- after the, the Riverdale goes to Paley Fest. Okay, probably. I was just looking at my calendar. Sorry, I forgot that that was a thing that is coming. So yeah. I mean, look. God bless. More power to him. Uh, prove, prove it, please. Prove me wrong. Make a great musical episode that'll change my mind about musical episodes of TV. I'm just sad there wasn't a musical episode of Smallville. <laughs> oh my god! Just kidding. I just said that to annoy you. But um, I mean, I I, I, I would rather I would some. rather that than most musical episodes. I, well, I, um, I did enjoy Psych the Musical, if only for the fact that Corbin Burnson's character did exactly what you just proposed for Jughead, where they, they were like in the middle of a musical number and they walk up to him and they like go to hand off the lyric to him and he just looks at him and goes, no, and then walks away and never is seen again in the episode. Well, they kind of did that with Willow in the Buffy musical. I think she had only one singing line in the whole episode. Yeah, but she at least stuck around. She just kind of looked at all of them in awe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is kind of weird. But um, the on the subject, of, yeah, it, to season two, they did they didn't even have ideas in like season four or five. They're just getting <laughs> it out of the way now. When they've got like, I'm assuming another murderer on the loose, and like, like Betty's getting into some weird cam things, and like all this stuff. They're like, nope, we're gonna sing for a while. Hashtag agent fake name. Oh, yeah. oh my yeah. God! I bet you, I bet you, agent fake name comes to the play. Almost certainly. And Hiram, yeah. do they? Who's Veronica playing again? Who is? Is does it say? She's Mean Girl Chris Harginson. That's so mean. <laughs> Poor Veronica. Yeah. So, um, but on the subject of music and Mean Girls, uh, should we talk about what happened to the Pussycats this week? Oh yeah, yes. It's so fascinating to me because, like the the whole thing of exploring her solo career, I had previously thought was like a Cheryl thing that she was specifically doing to hurt Josie by damaging the Pussycats. And this episode, yeah, this episode it pops up and it's like, this is what Mama wants to do. And oh, by the way, if there's anybody better, honestly, if there's any, if there's anybody better to be Carrie's mom. Than Alice Cooper, it would be Mayor McCoy because this episode she she had a, a real crazy streak. Well, you know, head of the class did do a musical episode, so Robin that's Givens correct. does have that experience. Yeah, I, but that's not going to go over too well. The whole thing of uh, Veronica and the Pussycats. I I'm going to be honest. I kind of like I like that there are stories. Here's the thing: season one. Remember how season one we complained that like. When Josie was there, she was just kind of there, but she wasn't really involved in anything. She was just kind of there to sing a song with the band. Yeah. And the band didn't really have a story either, except for that one episode when they broke up kind of over Archie, of all (laughs) things. Um, Mm -hmm. I appreciate that, like, Josie and the Pussycats, it's mostly Josie, but Josie and the Pussycats have, like, a legitimate plot. Like they have yeah, a no, story in the show, and that's fun. Um, I hope the Pussycats minus Veronica at some point get the chance to speak their mind. Like when and if, uh, obviously Josie's going to come back to the band. It's Josie and the Pussycats, but like I truly hope that at some point the Pussycats get to speak their mind on sort of getting left in the dirt by their friend. 
Yeah, I'm also a little weirded out by the fact that they, I mean, I guess it was just retaliatory to, to Josie, but I'm kind of weirded out by the fact that Val was just cool with being Valerie in the Pussy, or with being um, Veronica. Veronica in the Pussycats. As opposed to Val and... And, like, and, sure. and Melody just kind of just like hangs out there and reason. says nothing. Again. We'll let you be. We'll we'll let you front the band. Has Melody had a line? Has Melody had a line of dialogue yet? I think she had yes, one in season she had. one. Okay. She had one in season one. She had a couple in an episode. I want to say like episode three of this season. Cool. Because I remember so tweeting gives, about it. That gives her a few more lines than Jason Blossom ever had. True, but she didn't start the, the, the series dead. True. I mean, but... that we know of. Maybe she's patient zero for afterlife. Oh, Jason's patient zero for afterlife. Jughead's we'll see. Afterlife. But, what are you talking about? Werewolf Jughead. Werewolf Jughead. It was a little strange seeing Veronica step up. Maybe Josie crushed the pussycat spirits and neither of them believe that they can front the band anymore. Or, again, maybe they just knew that it would get her back for just deciding to go solo yeah. and ditching them. Yeah, it's also a real fuck you to Josie, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it, it, I guess part of the reason that I had to overthink that is because I watched the Josie and the Pussycats movie today. Oh, nice. And, and so, uh, you know, the whole second half of that movie is essentially about the band breaking up due to internal politics. And so in my head, I'm like hearing the line, like, why isn't it Valerie and the Pussycats? Which is uttered by Mr. Movie Phone in that movie. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a weird sub, but without getting into it too, too much, Mr. Movie Phone has a prominent role in Josie and the Pussycats. And yes, he is referred to throughout the movie as Mr. Movie Phone. Of course he is. <laughs> Good on him. Yes, yeah, so is there anything else that we did not discuss from this week's episode? Yes, there is one thing. We I know we touched on sort of Chick Cooper and how he's sort of leading Betty down the dark, dark path. But what we didn't talk about is, like, that's specifically why she brought him home. Like she, yeah. Like, I think there's something dark in you like there is in me. I want you to help me figure it out. If I'm Chick Cooper, I'm like, you're, you're crazy. You're a scary human being. I have to go back to literally prostituting myself out of a roach. <laughs> like, I can't be here. Like, there are places that are less scary than this house of sociopaths. <laughs> because, holy crap. I, I kind what of want... Think, what, honestly, what do we think it means that, like, Betty's story for this episode... Ends with her being like, show me how to do this cam thing. <laughs> uh, you know, First of all, know, that's I, her, she's asking her brother for advice on how to be a cam girl. I don't... That's weird. Is that what they're talking about, though? I mean, that that's what they want us to believe they're talking about. Right. right. Like, taking it yeah, at face value, that's what, they're, that's what they're shooting for. They can, all, they can always change course next mm. week or do I mean, something else. Doesn't but, like... The, Clearly, that's the impression they're leaving. The Betty of it all was deeply concerning to me. I'm like, given how every week her character goes more extreme, I'm yeah. almost scared to see next week's episode because I don't want to know how far she's going to go in the meantime. I want to see where her arc goes this season. I mean, she's one of these characters who every week it's like, what the fuck is she doing? 
And then I feel like when we pull back after a season, we'll be able to kind of see the Rorschach test and be like, oh, that's what they've been doing this whole time, which I feel like is kind of what they did with Cheryl last season, where you couldn't really figure out what her arc was supposed to be until there was an episode and a half left. Yeah. Well, could Chick be a Black Hood? I really don't think so. I mean, it's uh, we said this last week. Anything yeah. is theoretically possible, but I just... But I that whole know. thing about, like, you or me, that sort of thing. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Uh, again, I, just, I, I do kind of feel like it would be deus ex plot device if we didn't know about this character for 20-something years, and then in the same week that Betty decided to, like, seek him out, he tried to murder her boyfriend. But also, there was also the notion last time we were up on set and we were interviewing Lily, like, she seemed to confuse a Black Hood question with a chick question, didn't she? I, I don't recall. It's very possible. And again, like, I'm not totally discounting it as a possibility. I just feel like there's no physical resemblance to the Black Hood, as far as we can tell. And Yeah, Black Hood weighs more than 90 pounds. Yeah, there's just, to me, I just, I feel like it's plausible that they'll do something that ties those two things together. But I think there's a lot more meat on the bone if you keep them separate. And you can tell two long-term stories with chicks maybe reaching out into next season instead of telling one story that is intertwined in an unlikely way. Well, I'm sure Chick's eventually going to be tied to some South Side stuff, too, somehow. I would imagine. Especially if if he's FP's kid. Well, maybe he's, uh, maybe he's, like, he'll be the one who outs Fangs Fogarty or something. Well, Kevin would be very happy when that happens. So. It's, but. a lot going on, man. Yeah, there. I mean, that's that's really there's there's a ton of stuff. In, like I said, there's a ton of stuff in this episode. This really feels like one of those season one episodes where they just it felt like the gas was down the entire time. Yeah, well, they just had a yeah. lot to throw in. I mean, it's like we've got all these like storylines we need to get moving, so let's just throw it all in in the same place, so we have room to do our musical next year or you know next month. I'm. Uh, I'm I'm super interested to find out. I feel like if it wasn't Cheryl who beheaded the statue, I think that the next obvious suspect is Hiram. I think it was either Nelson or Bart Simpson. Well, you know, that would be a fun crossover, especially if we got like a Josie and the Pussycats CWC animated show. Yeah. Did we talk about that? How no, no, we talked no. about it. We talked about it before we went on air. Uh, the like the final, I believe, the final shot we see of the episode yet, right? Is the yeah, the headless statue with the painted blood dripping down from the neck, and like everybody being like, Well, clearly it was the serpents. Clearly, it was, I think we can all agree, it was definitely not the serpents. No, uh, it's pre- it's literally anybody. Like, I would believe it's Nana Blossom before I believe the serpents did it. Um, but second of all. And as I watched, it looked to, like all that came to my mind was when I think it happens. In, I know it happened in an episode of The Simpsons, and I think it also happens in like 
the opening credits now yeah, of them yeah. cutting the head off the Je- the Jebediah Springfield statue. Yeah, and clearly well, Nelson Muntz would be. I feel like Nelson Muntz is the Jughead of the Simpsons. I could see that. Yeah, he's a, he's a bad decided. he's a bad boy. But that that episode when he had a crush on Lisa, you found out he had the heart of gold. Yeah, and well, I mean Lisa is very much Betty for sure. Did either of you Google the name of whatever the founder guys was to see if he no. was an actual Archie Comics character? I did. I didn't come up with anything. I can't remember the name anymore, but I was like, I wonder if they pulled that out of like some random issue no, of I think they comics. Just, I think they just applied like a colonial name to Pickens yeah. Park because Pickens Park is a place in Archie Comics and has been referenced multiple times in Riverdale. Okay. So I think it's literally just like the Pickens Park is the Archie reference, whereas every other element of that name is just something that got tacked on. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, no, I I have that. Every week I watch these shows and I'm just like, I need to go and like Google a bunch of names and see whether there's Easter eggs here. And then I just forget before we have a chance to do a podcast. Well, it was like when they had Wilbur Wilkins that one time. That was a deep cut. Um, Yeah. Was Penny Peabody a character from the comics? Yeah, she was Fangs Fogarty's girlfriend, who huh. he, they were basically the anti-Moose and Midge. Like, he would, like, beat people up just for looking at her. See, I thought Fangs Fogarty was only in the Little Archie comics. Well, yeah, but that that's... She was only in the Little Archie comics as well. Oh, she, okay. But, cool. Sorry. I, but, the, yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that's her relationship. Like, she was always in the Serpents because she was Fangs Fogarty's girl. Ha. Uh-huh. Okay. Which again speaks to like if you have a guy who's only ever had one girlfriend in the comics that he's like monomaniacally obsessed with, and then you make her thirty years too old for him in the TV show, then it becomes like, oh, now his romantic prospects open wide. Oh, speaking of Penny Peabody, uh, on Monday's episode of Supergirl, uh, Livewire came back for the first time in a while, and. They when when we first are introduced to her, she is trying to live a quiet life of not being a supervillain, and she's working as a waitress in a diner. Was and that it's, pops? It's absolutely pops. Okay, I was wondering, and I'm watching it. I was like, "Is this pops?" Absolutely, no Wait, question in my on mind. On what? On on Supergirl? Yes. I and didn't. He, I didn't see it. Yeah, Britt Morgan, who plays Penny Peabody, also plays Livewire. And Mm -hmm. the establishing shot of the diner, it's from behind the counter at Pops. And, you know, the the diner sign with a stylized N on on the right when you walk into Pops. Uh Uh-huh. The shot, like, that was the establishing shot, was that. And then when they pulled back to reveal Livewire, she was the only thing in focus. Everything in the diner was in super soft focus so that you couldn't tell that it was Pops. But having like been inside of pops i'm sitting here going like no i recognize that booth right there i recognize the tiled like ceiling from because when they change angles and they're shooting up at her like behind her head you can see the red and black tiles on the ceiling behind the behind the counter Mm -hmm. is where you're like i've been in that building i know like not only you know you recognize the diner sign and you're like wait is that pops but then even though they tried to disguise it as best they could at the end of the day, it still pops and it's a building that I've been in and I'm looking I have at to it. Watch going, it again. That's yeah. cool. 
uh, and and it's one of those they did a really good job with it. Like they lit it in a really kind of yellow way, and yeah. So all of the like the fake wood on that one wall where they have all the stuff hanging up looks very yellow, and it makes the whole diner look a little bit different. But it's still that same wall with all that same crap hanging up. Well, also, I think everybody should know that Supergirl and Riverdale shoot on the same studio lot. Yeah, literally 100 feet apart. Which is yeah. why, if you look at our videos on YouTube, our interviews from our last set visit, we actually mm-hmm. interviewed KJ, Ashley, and Cole on the set of Supergirl. Yeah. Which somebody might have found odd, and that's why, because they're right next door. And actually, my interview with, with, uh, the interview with, with uh, Cole when the interview starts on my video, which I don't think I've uploaded yet because I wanted to wait until there were no spoilers and everybody else had a chance to use it since my video is not going to go on comic book. It's just going to go on YouTube. But when I, when I upload it, the first thing that you hear is Cole saying, man, I've never been in here before. This is kind of nice. And I'm like, Oh damn it, man. You just ruined our crossover rumors. (laughs) That was right before I asked him about Supad, I think. Yes. Yeah, the whole the first like minute and a half of that video is just stuff that we didn't publish. I I need to get like I need to interview Cole. Like maybe I can get to Paley Fest and ask him about Super Supehead on the record. Gosh, and then I feel like there was a Riverdale actor in either the Flash or Black Lightning. Oh yeah, yeah, Jordan Calloway who plays Chuck. Okay, uh, is China Ann McLean uh, Jennifer Pierce's boyfriend on Black Lightning? I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't notice it when I watched it, but like when I when I first saw it. But the day after I first saw it, I went to the set visit and I bumped into Jordan while I was there. And as oh. soon as I saw him in person, I'm like, "Oh shit, that's Jordan from Riverdale," even though I've literally never met him before. And I immediately rewatched the episode and felt so stupid. Did you have your Halo shirt on at the time? I did. Yes. Oh, yeah, I figured. Because uh, Crondon. Uh, yeah. Condon was a big fan of that. Uh, he like I sat down and he's like, "That's Haley from Riverdale," and I was like, "Man, yeah." <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so Jordan, Ka- this is the week of Riverdale stars going to other CW shows apparently. Because in addition to Britt Morgan showing up as Livewire on Supergirl, we got Jordan Calloway not only back in Riverdale this week, but also uh, hanging out uh, with with the Black Lightning team, which is funny because. Clearly they were not shot at the same time or anything. It's just a coincidence. He shows up in the same week because again, black lightning shoots in Atlanta versus Vancouver for every place. And who knows who from Riverdale might be showing up on Valor, which none of us watch. Fair point. Nobody. So, I don't think they shoot Haley's in Vancouver. Haley's about to show up on uh, altered carbon on Netflix. Who is? Yep. Haley. Haley. Yeah. Watch Haley's it. got a pretty decent sized role in there. Remember she told us about it when we did the, when we did the Halo ago. episode. Yeah. Okay. I bought the books. I bought the the first book, not the whole series, but I bought the book specifically so I could read up so that the next time we, we talk to Haley, I don't sound totally ignorant of what she's doing on the side. Have you have you seen the screeners? Not, no. Is it any good? They're really good. Like I said, I, I, I enjoyed the book, even though I only bought it for Haley, basically. So I'm looking forward to seeing like the show. I'm looking forward to seeing her on the show. And it's just one of those things that it's good to hear that it's actually good because, of course, yeah. so many hard sci-fi things turn out to be junk when they get adapted. And so many Netflix things turn out to be not so good. That's true, too. Yeah, it's one of those Fucking weird things right? where 
talking to you, Bright. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? You don't like uh, it, talking shit about your movie Netflix? Maybe make a better movie. I, I think in the, uh, the show notes for this, I'm going to put a link to Tomato Tomato's Bright episode. Uh, Tomato Tomato is a movie podcast that is hosted by uh, my my one of my co-hosts on another show that I do. And she and her uh, boyfriend do this show where they basically review movies, but then also read like the Rotten Tomatoes reviews and do a, a discussion on like, not just the movie, but how movies are reviewed. And oh. within like a minute of the beginning of the bright episode, she's just like, congratulations, Netflix. You made a movie so bad that it makes me want to go back and rewatch death note. I would rather be watching Death Note than this. (laughs) Yeah, she's right. It's not good. So, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll try to remember to put that in the show notes because if nothing else, if you enjoyed Chris's outburst (laughs) at Bright's expense, then... I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not sorry. I haven't seen it, mostly because no part of it looked like it was going to be good. And also, wasn't Max Landis involved and he's disgusting? Yeah, I well, and I, I hate... I hate Max going back a long time. I actually, in spite of the fact that I love both the books and the BBC series of Dirk Gently, I have never seen an episode of the American version because of Landis's involvement. Everything's Here, keep this part in. Sorry, everybody. We had to cut out some stuff. It happens. <laughs> fully enjoyable episode if not way too busy of an episode uh yeah absolutely which was a big like a big problem last year was also my my only complaint about the first few episodes this season was that they try to do too much at one time so slow it down a little bit and and in slowing it down give the proper amount of time to stories like you know the treatment of minorities in riverdale by rich assholes like the Blossom family. I, I'm in total agreement. Uh, there's some stuff that I would have liked to see elaborated on a little bit in this episode that I think is pretty much gone and not going to be revisited. And then there's some you, stuff I'm that assuming I'm, you mean the Archie wrestling stuff. <laughs> like why? That, I will say, got probably more screen time than it needed. But then again, that's because they had at least three days of tryouts for the team. which And they had to get everybody into the gymnasium to watch the last day of tryouts. And again, like, I know that this is a, a minor thing that we already harped on for, like, five minutes at the start of the show. But it's just, like, it's it's the central... Oh! A fun, fun thing that I forgot to mention at the time. Hiram Lodge's wrestling nickname, The Ram. Like, is, Randy the Ram. Oh, my God. That's what you were talking about. Yeah, and Randy I the Ram. And he, he had a t-shirt for it, too, which was, like, wow. I, here's the thing I don't understand. Why would it be The Ram? You don't butt heads in in like Greco Roman wrestling. You start because locked his name, up. His, his name is High Ram. Ram. Oh, that's stupid. I'll allow it because it's clearly just a reference to the Darren Ar- the Aronofsky film. Yeah. You know, back before we all hated Darren Aronofsky for making a crappy movie like Mother. I still haven't seen that. I got. I got a. I, I no, have that. No, you don't. That is a movie, though, that Don't the morbid curiosity is just, is just a lot. <laughs> it, it's, it's awful. But yeah, in conclusion, my only complaint about the wrestling stuff is Archie didn't give anybody a Stone Cold Stunner. I, I also kind of wonder if we're going to find out that Chuck got 
like paid by Lodge to to throw it. Take a dive. I maybe got paid by Agent Fake Name. I really feel like I have this thing. I I, I feel like what we're gonna find out is that Hiram saw things starting to spin out of his control when he got that phone call from Jughead. Oh. Some of the stuff that happened in the last five minutes of the episode, we're going to find out, even though it all looks bad for Hiram, I think some of that we're going to find out was actually manipulated by him in order to try and get the situation back to where he needed it to be so he could take control. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. I feel like there was just too many things that didn't break his way in the last few minutes, and he's not a dude who would have handled that as well as he did. And so to me, I'm like, at least one of these things has to have been like in his contingency plan. Yeah, I would say you're probably right. Yeah, you should you should like, rate, well, maybe not rate this week, but like and subscribe. No, god damn it. <laughs> like us on iTunes and whatever other... Rate, rate us five stars or whatever. Give us five stars. Don't... D- listen. All right, guy. I saw one person out there leave a review that was like, fuck your sound quality. Knock it off. Listen, <laughs> we've not done this before. We're trying. And also, I mean, listen, some of us are pretty funny. Not me. Not me. But, like, it's, it's a good show. And Chris has I don't listen to it myself. Yeah, they can't, <laughs> they can't see that, though. Anyway, yeah. Uh, like, like and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a review. Be honest with your review. I don't care if you hate it or not. I've... I don't think I've ever left a negative review on iTunes. I no, just I feel like listening. it's just not worth the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's not like there's not 18 billion other podcasts to listen to. Anyway, yeah. I'm getting... Go, go ahead, Russ. I'm getting distracted. I was just going to say like, rate, and subscribe. And then uh, if, you, uh, if you want to follow us on Facebook or Twitter, you can do so at... Archie Digest Podcast on Facebook. Archie Digest Pod on Twitter. Because podcast would have been too many letters. And they don't like that. Oh. And and yeah, that, that's pretty much it. We will have an agent fake name, like t-shirt and hat and stuff up by the time next week airs. Because I've got a graphic designer who's putting something together. It's probably literally just going to be our Riverdale R with like a crappy secret agent like sunglasses and mustache on it. <laughs> but, God, that sounds awesome. But that's my plan. I, I need a graphic designer friend to work on some shit for me. Clearly. But uh, so, where can people find you on the the internet, gentlemen? You want to go first, Craig? Yes, you can find me at KSite TV. That's where most of my stuff is. Also, my KSite TV Twitter is where all my stuff funnels through. So you'll find everything that I write everywhere. Whatever. Um, if you want just my Riverdale posts, it's at Riverdale TV on Twitter. And, yeah, that's where you can find me. So there you go. Awesome. Uh, on Twitter, I am at Chris Hayner, C-H-R-I-S-H-A-Y-N-E-R. On Facebook, it's at It's Chris Hayner. I don't know why. Uh, and then go ahead and follow at Waterworld Photos on Instagram because it will change your life. And I am Russ Burlingame, R-U-S-S-B-U-R-L-I-N-G-A-M-E. That's how you can follow me on Twitter. That's how you can find me on Facebook. On Instagram, it's the same thing, but there's a period between Russ and Burlingame. And then if you want to hear me talk about other stuff that is not specifically Riverdale, uh, Emerald City Video Podcast, ECV underscore podcast on Twitter. 
or there's a bunch of other stuff. But if you go to my Twitter, pretty much you can look in my bio and I link out to all the things that I podcast about. So that's, that's, that's the best, easiest way to do it rather than me sitting here every single week and telling us 70 things. Thank you everybody for listening. We will be back in a week with, uh, I can't remember the name of next week's episode. Uh, Death to commies. No, is it? It's not the wicked and the divine, is it? No, I think that's two weeks from now. In any event, Riverdale School Musical. I'll I'll edit it all together. I'll I'll just drop in audio of myself telling you what 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 it'll be next week, or I'll forget. Oh, I know, I know what to do. This will be fun. I'll say it, and then you drop your voice and tell. The name of the episode is. Actually, I was a total dummy, and Craig was right. It is the wicked and the divine. Oh, what a great title, guys. That's a good name for the podcast, for the uh, TV show. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next week. One, two, three, four. Have you ever seen a one trick pony? And I feel so happy and free Have you ever seen a one-trick pony And you seen me Have you ever seen a one-legged dog Making his way down the street If you ever seen a one-legged dog Then you seen me And you seen me yeah, Come and stand at every door And you seen me Always leave with less than I had before. And you seen me, but I can make you smile when the blood it hits the floor. Tell me, friend, can you ask for anything more? Tell me, can you ask for anything more? Mickey Rourke. Gotta make that joke, right? Uh, they did in the show. Shit, did they really? You can, uh, you can. Well, we'll get to it in a minute. They didn't overtly, but it was it was there. I didn't catch that either. Well, uh, we can Fine, start I just whenever came you're up ready. With joke I'm going to use instead. There you go. Take that, Mickey Rourke. <laughs>